0: Hi, I'm Dr. Jan Japper, and this is God Teeth. So today I'm talking with Dr. Mebs Sayani. Uh, Mebs and I have been partners for for ten years, known each other for a lot longer, and um, going to chat a little bit about, you know, something that I think we see as we continue to get older, and a concern that patients bring up a lot inside the office is, you know, I'm starting to see some recession, I'm getting some cold areas in my mouth. What's what's going on, and what can I do about it? Um, so, Mebs, you know, tell me a little bit about gum recession, what exactly is gum recession?
1: So gum recession is when the gum starts slipping down the root of the tooth to expose the root and as the gums slip down, the root exposure then tends to create some sensitivity. For so there's two levels of gum tissue that we have in the mouth. There's an attached gum tissue, which is a pink band that you see closest to the height of the tooth, and then there's an unattached gum tissue that fall, falls below that. So the attached gum tissue is, is our body's protective mechanism where it just hugs your tooth really tightly so none of the bacteria get down it to the attached area which kind of floats around below it
0: interesting okay so that's so it's very important to have that attached gum tissue extremely around the tooth, important right? yeah and that is that what we tend to lose then when we see gum recession that's that's the part that starts to miss exactly so there's collagen
1: that the body kind of creates that actually hugs that tooth to the uh, the gum to the bone in the tooth and so that's kind of what's the important part that we need to keep so when people present with recession that's what starts stripping away
0: what Causes this? I mean, I know I see it in, I'm seeing it in areas of my mouth. I'm trying to figure out what's causing the gum recession that's going on in my mouth. So the biggest
1: factor is actually um, clenching and grinding. Um, For the longest time, we thought it was patients brushing their teeth too aggressively, but the biggest factor is clenching and grinding. So the analogy I like to use is if you have a post stuck in dirt and then you keep pushing on it repeatedly over time, the dirt pulls away. So the same thing happens in our mouths when we clench and grind, we tend to flex our teeth and the flexural stresses then drive the gums down. And so as the gums recede away, each millimeter recession that you get, you lose that much bone at the same time. So that's the biggest factor that I find. Brushing in aggressively is definitely a factor as well too, but clenching and grinding definitely is a very significant component.
0: And so, it's something you just said there, so when I'm losing the gum, I'm actually losing bone simultaneously as well? Exactly. Okay, and is that why teeth would then start to loosen up over time?
1: Yeah, so you know, you get a combination that a patient's starting to lose bone slowly, and it's such a slow, progressive thing that a lot of times patients aren't even aware, and then they start getting signs like oh i'm getting sensitivity and then you ask a dentist what's going on and that's when they say oh my god you have recession but not only that the fact that you're putting these forces on your teeth will then start to make the teeth loose as well too
0: how do i know that i'm grinding or clenching my teeth i mean is there a way to tell or is it just the gum recession that's telling me that i'm grinding or clenching my teeth so two things. I mean, grinding is something
1: that is such a loud sound. It's almost like nails on a chalkboard. Anybody in the same room, your sleep partner, will be able to tell you right away you're grinding your teeth. You'll get the elbow in the chops. You'll know immediately. With clenching, it goes undetected for years because you don't make any sounds. Some people will present, you know, with headaches. And, you know, I wake up with a headache. I feel like I have a migraine. My jaw feels sore. I have a hard time opening my mouth. So those are some signs that will pick up right away the clenching but other times people who are not symptomatic can go through life without even actually knowing that they're doing. That's when your dentist will be able to tell signs. When they look at your tongue, your tongue looks like it's got scalloping, which is just like an imprint of your lower teeth just embedded in there because when you're clenching, you're forcing your tongue into your teeth. Um, you'll see receding gum line and uh, sensitivity as well.
0: So if we find that we've got you know, gum recession, uh, you know, what are our options in treating gum recession?
1: So the first thing right away you want to Figure out is what's causing it, right? So if if it's clenching and grinding, which in most cases it is, we want to start with making you a splint or a mouth guard, which was traditionally what we called it. So what it does is just protects your jaw and your teeth from clamping down and squishing on them. So again, we don't want to create that flexual stress that'll create the recession. The other thing we talk about is we sort of ex- you know explore is there any aggressive brushing tendencies that you have. But once we figure out what the cause is, then at least we want to stop things from getting worse. But There's certain recession areas where if it's not too bad, we're more than happy to keep an eye on it. But when it starts getting away, where you're starting to get from the attached band, running into the unattached band of tissue, then that gets a little concerning where we now have to step in surgically to correct that.
0: If I've, you know, got the night guard made and, right. I, and I still see some areas of recession and, and there's some concerns, you know, that that you've talked about, you know, what are my options after I've, you know, kind of taken care of the underlying cause, which like yeah. you said, I mean, I know we see it a lot, is it grinding and clenching, we can see the, the the effects of grinding and clenching. So now I say, okay, well I grind and clench, I've got a night guard made, but I still got some areas that are bothering me that are cold, you know a lot of cold sensitivity or stuff like that happening. What is there things that I can do to actually reverse that gum recession that's happened? So we can't necessarily
1: reverse it without stepping in and lifting the gum back up again. Okay. So, you know, in, in certain areas, yes, like I was saying, you know, we can keep an eye on things. They're very mild. You know, any kind of surgical intervention will not really help improve things dramatically. Mm -hmm. Um, There are other options where you can put a filling on the root of the tooth to reduce sensitivity, which is a very mild, non-invasive, simple way of covering up the root surface. The downside is that you're not addressing the issue where the gum is stripped away and we're now getting into the unattached danger zone. So so the only way really to correct that is through surgery. And there's several different options as far as surgeries go. There was a the traditional grafting where they used to take a chunk of tissue from the roof of your mouth and then kind of attach it to where the recession was. And then there have been advances where they now take, instead of taking a piece from the roof of the mouth, they would actually take an uh, artificial uh, allograft that would actually just kind of... a uh, a membrane that they would actually stitch on there so you're not having to do two surgeries. And then there's a new technique called the pinhole technique.
0: So tell me more about this new this new technique that uh, that allows you to do it cuz I know it's something that you've been doing a fair amount of and, and getting some great success with. So tell me a little bit more about what is this the the newer technique and it's still not new. I mean I, th- I know it's been around probably 10 years or longer, yeah. you, you know, but tell me a little bit more about this pinhole technique.
1: So it's quite an ingenious uh, procedure because it is scalpel-less. You don't need to cut the gums. You don't need a donor site. You don't need to have two surgical areas. And it's our dental version of scopic surgery. So you make a couple of tiny little pinholes, and we use these specialized instruments that go in and just basically go in and lift the gums up. And so what we're doing is lifting the gum back to the position where they should be and then we'll place collagen underneath there, which the body then absorbs over six weeks. So the body needs a collagen, it uses that to absorb and rehabilitate and kind of get the attachment of the gums back to the bone.
0: It seems like that's a little bit easier than some of the stuff that's been done in the past, right? I mean, is it a little more comfortable or is it still quite uncomfortable in terms of a procedure? So it's actually vastly more comfortable. Patients who have gone through
1: the traditional grafting swear they'll never get it done. I mean, yeah. obviously, if they need it, they need it. But but it's, it's, it's a bit of a dilemma when you see the need for the patient, but they don't want to get it done because of their previous experience with the pinhole. The beauty is that th- since there's no incisions, there's no cutting, there's no stitches involved, the recovery is so much faster. Uh, we typically will see the patient the next day, and you almost can't tell what the pinholes were. They're already starting to recover. There's definitely a bit of bruising. It's a surgery at the end of the day, so there is a bit of mild bruising and a mild discomfort, but not the extreme discomfort that we've seen in the past with the other surgeries.
0: Can everybody have this done, or are there certain populations that this
1: wouldn't, wouldn't work for? You have to be very case selective in those situations. So anybody who presents with loose teeth, for example, automatically they're not a candidate. But they have other underlying issues because they have advanced gum disease in those case situations. Um, anybody who's medically compromised that would be you no, know, not. A, able to get a surgery done simply because they just were not stable. People who have uh, uncontrolled diabetes, people who have uh, advanced gum disease like we touched as well too. So those are people that would not be good candidates. And then again, anybody who has a clenching grinding issue that decides that they're not able to wear an appliance to stop that from happening, you don't want to do the surgery because they'll undo everything that you just sort of help them achieve. So
0: the first line of defense would really be that kind of night guard, night that, you're, guard. that you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And I know that, you know, we probably don't want to get too far the line, down the lines of a night guard, but I know there's some question or concern. I mean, are we making night guards for upper teeth? Are we making night guards for lower teeth? Do you have an opinion on how that actually works? Yeah. So, you know, for the longest time, we used to make upper guards just simply because that's the
1: way we were taught in school. And then studies came out that showed that there was a higher incidence of uh, sleep apnea in patients who actually had uppers, because it's the lower jaw that moves. And so when it touches the appliance at the top, it hits the appliance at the top and pushes your lower jaw back. So now with the studies coming out, we've now moved to lower appliances. And so they help to position your jaw in a more neutral position. So you have a little bit more leeway to guide the patient's mouth to closing in a relaxed state.
0: And I've heard that those tend to be a little more comfortable because they can be a little smaller on the on the lower than the upper. Exactly. As well, right? so. Yeah, so
1: it's almost counterintuitive when you have an upper appliance, it's kind of closing airway, and then we're having you then bite down and pushing it further back. So compliance is way better
0: with the lower appliance. Awesome. Great. So you know you've gone over this. I mean, there's obviously uh, you know the pinholes is a way to do this and a way to way to help people. Once you've done the penile surgery, and let's say we go through that, and you said it gets quite comfortable, I know there are some concerns about things you can or cannot do for a few days afterwards, or anything you want to just chat about in terms of, you know, things we have to be careful of post-surgery?
1: We want to be careful that right after surgery, yes, definitely, you know, the usual protocol with surgery is ice the area for 10 minutes at a time for about three to four hours. But you want to be careful about staying away from eating crunchy foods. If tissue at that point is sitting where it needs to be. The last thing you need to do is bite into something very crunchy, an apple, and push the apple into your gums you want to stay away from brushing for six weeks now that's always a you're telling me not to brush my teeth for six weeks it's just in the area but what we do is we'll give you a little tiny peroxide gel pen with a brush tip that you just use to gently clean the area because you get the most impeccable results when you keep the tissue area clean mm-hmm. so we don't want you to brush it because you you could have been a heavy brusher and then you'll strip everything away and patients swear that they don't brush aggressively but we just don't want to take a chance to have that strip away when we've just finished doing the work.
0: If I'm interested, uh, how do I find some, can, can everybody do this procedure? Is there only certain people that can do this procedure? Um, how do I, you know, who can perform the procedure or how do I find somebody that can do this for me?
1: This technique was um, developed by Dr. Chow, and so it's a very unique procedure, and have to have specialized instruments that are very designed to go into very tiny little spaces. So not everybody can actually do it without having the training to do it. So you definitely need to go sort of do an, an advanced course with him, and once you've done that, you'll be able to find an appropriate pinhole uh, qualified dentist
0: uh, on Google by just simply searching it out. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I mean, that's a lot of great information. I know a uh, recession is something that I deal with. And so it's something that I think that uh, probably most of the population has some sort of concern. And so understanding, one, how we can try to minimize it from getting worse, but also how we can make it better. A um, lot of great information. So thank, thank you for your thank time. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Thanks.